On this episode of AV Week, Polycom releases a brand new swath of products. InFocus has purchased Jupiter, and we talk about certified HDMI cables. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Vadio. This is AV Week, episode 216, recorded Friday, October 9th, 2015. Polycom huddles up. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Last time I checked, at least, my name was Tim Albright. Uh, thank you, by the way, to George Tucker for for hanging out here and and covering the uh, the base, as it were. Uh, I spent a couple weeks on site at a very lovely uh, job site that I just thought I could not get pull myself away from. So uh, it was fabulous. Let me just put it that way. Uh, with us this week, first and foremost, my buddy, my pal, the editor and chief of AV Nation, uh, also of his own site, uh, soundreason.org, Josh Trigo. How are you, sir? Hey, Tim, you pronounced it correctly. It must I... be the accent that just comes into it. My accent or your accent? Mine. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh. nah, things are good out here. Good. But thank you for having me on. I mean, I know I haven't seen you in a few hours. <laughs> Josh, yes, Josh and I spent the week together, uh, not the week, three days together at uh, the AVI Systems uh, National Sales Meeting. He wrote a very nice piece about it. I've got a couple pieces coming out um, on, on Monday, and uh, I think I'm writing one for, for Commercial Integrator as well. So check that out if you would. Also with us uh, from the University of Colorado, uh, Mr. Peter Mitchell. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for the invite. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to make fun of Peter here in a second because he has a Cubs logo up in his back background there if you're watching video. so we'll Just means he that. never gets invited back. And, no, 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 no. I, I enjoy rivalries. So uh, also <laughs> with us is Ray Estrada. Ray is from Tech Max Technologies. How are you, Ray? I'm doing good. Good to be on the show. Absolutely. And last but not least, my buddy, my pal, uh, used to be from Crestron, then he went and worked at, at Lona, at my buddy's over there, and now he's back with Crestron. Some would say that you can't hold a job, Roger Takis. Some would say. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me back, Tim. I am, I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of pieces of, of, of housekeeping, stupid stuff, you know, hey, indulge me for a second. First and foremost... Uh, we, we've made some really good contacts over the last uh, few years that we've been doing this. And, and one is the, the folks over at The Daily Do. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, they, they cover digital out of home. And they do this thing called Insights, Do, do Insights. And, and here's the very book right there if you're, if you're watching the video. And, and they did something very nice and very sweet. Um, it's, a, it's a yearly look it's at, at things happening in, in the digital space. And it, the, the article they wrote... Uh, is called AV Nation Comes Into Its Own. And it's just if you get a chance, this is a very nice book. It, it's very nice, heavy heavy stock, glossy, and it's a pretty picture of of Adrian Cottrell from, from the Daily Do, uh, Brock McGinnis, uh, my buddy, 
George Tucker, uh, and I think that's Dave Hatz on the end there, and then a, a dumbass p picture of me. So the, thank you very much to them for, for doing that. Uh, the other thing is is this, and I, I make, make fun of Peter, but today is, some, is somewhat of a historic. We're recording this on, on the 9th of, of October. Um, we started the baseball season, start talking about the Cubs install. Um, it's one that we got a lot of feedback on. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Craig McCormick from Commercial Integrator wrote about it, wrote about the episode. We had uh, a couple of manufacturers on. We had Harry Mead on talking about just the, the issues that the Cubs and Wrigley Field had uh, going into the season. Here we are, good Lord, six, seven months later, and wouldn't you know it, the Cubs are in the playoffs. And they're in the playoffs, not for the first time. I'm not going to be, you know, a butthead and say that. But for the first time in history, do you realize this, Peter? The first time in history, the Cubs and the Cardinals are playing each other in the playoffs. That, I, uh, I heard a few weeks ago, that if that happened, it would be the first time. And you sit there and you think about it, 139-odd, 29, something like yeah. that, years of, of baseball. And they've never played each other in the playoffs. So you sit there and you go... Okay, this could get interesting. Mm -hmm. And you know, if the wild card starts out with uh, benches clearing brawls, then who knows? What <laughs> and, series is and, yield. and Gatorade uh, containers being beaten up. You know, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, well, let's just hope that the Gatorade container survived this series. But at yeah. least we don't have to fly back and forth from New York to LA. True, true. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the here's the thing: uh, the Cubs have the third best record in the league. And being a lifelong Cardinal fan, if the Cubs end up beating the Cardinals, which is very possible, honestly, I will, I, I will don a Cubby hat and and root for them for the rest of the of the series because that would be you know just in general something special. So, um, and just remember, I, you'll always have Robert Zemeckis to blame for this. Well, yes, and and the screenwriter is actually from St. Louis. The the other guy that that wrote it with Zemeckis. So. You don't know what that's for, kids. Check out uh, Back to the Future too. So, all right, let's get on with some some AV news. Uh, first and foremost, Polycom did an interesting tease this week. They said we're going to revolutionize the AV industry. We're going to revolutionize, you know, what we do. Um, it was lots and lots of, of of hype. And typically, when that happens, a lot of times in the tech world, it's a letdown. I would say it was not this Wednesday a letdown. Uh, here's what they've got. So the Polycom Real Presence Trio. Um, it turns their their, their three-point phone system into a collaboration hub. They have the Real Presence Centro, which uh, I'm going to see if I can bring this up on the on the video portion. Basically, it's a it's an it's a neat little thing where you are. Um, it's it's a piece of equipment in the middle of the room, right? And it's got um, camera. It's got cameras, and it's got video, and it's it 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 makes it puts you in the center of, of a of a uh, meeting. Um, the Real Presence debut, which is for collaboration for small rooms, basically it's a huddle space uh, one. And in addition to that, all this other stuff, their new VVX business media phones are supporting Microsoft Office 365s upcoming cloud voice service, which I honestly did not realize even existed as up, up to this point. So you've got all this stuff, really great stuff. And uh, off the air, you know, Josh and I are, are kind of chatting back and forth, and he's like, I hate this thing. I, I just don't like this thing. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? This is brilliant. This is gorgeous. And I'm going to let Mr. Schrago um, explain why what his, his biggest issue with this uh, Polycom release is. 
so it was specifically about the trio that I was very upset. Uh, not to get into the Star Trek Centro and and the rest of it, but my issue with the trio is I started running down the idea of everything that it does and everything that it's capable of. And it is absolutely brilliant from the Polycom standpoint. For, from the standpoint of a lot of AV integrators who may or may not have a direct relationship with Polycom, look at how many times we run into Fortune 100, Fortune 500 buildings where they those companies do have a direct relationship with Polycom, buy the starfishes that currently exist directly. Now, all of a sudden, it's this product that they can buy directly. So now, all those huddle rooms, all those smaller spaces where they were just putting in a starfish, now it's this. It's the Trio. And if you add on the Trio Plus, which is the video version of it with the collaboration option, because it is, you, you can get it with or without it, you do add in that factor that every huddle room will have the USB camera, it'll have the video sharing capability, it'll have the star, it'll have the phone capability, it's a it's a Skype for business and a Link 2013 endpoint, it's got remote um, monitoring software capability, it links directly with a phone or a tablet via Bluetooth. So I mean we're talking competitive for the RL2, we're talking competitive for the Barco ClickShare, we're talking competitive for a lot of devices and on top of that it's sold direct to customers so we go into these rooms and we and we can say okay great so we'll provide you with these things oh yeah we don't we don't need that we're just gonna put this in the room so I mean this goes after so many products that are in our space as well as products like the Chromebox for meeting that Google decided to put out so you also have that aspect of it and maybe we're going to still get the displays out of it, but as I was telling Tim, in some instances, depending on the company, they may already have a relationship with these companies to provide the displays directly. And if you go back to some of the earlier uh, AV crosstalks, you can see Mark and I argue about direct sales, and he can mention specifically instances where his comp the company he works for, Milestone, has gone after direct sales for enterprise solutions in this. So all of a sudden, the AV industry just sort of may have gotten pushed directly out of all of these four, six, even up to 10 seat rooms because now they can buy them direct from Polycom. They can have a direct relationship with a manufacturer for displays. They can have a direct, uh, direct relationship with a manufacturer for mounts. And there's nothing there for us anymore in these smaller spaces. So from Polycom's standpoint, this is positively brilliant. From my standpoint of a smaller AV integrator that doesn't have a direct relationship with Polycom, there's a part of me going, wow, I just got kind of kicked out of a lot of these smaller rooms. So that was the part where not as big a fan of it. But again, absolutely brilliant from an actual technology standpoint. Josh, you bring up a really good point because if you, you look at uh, AV as a whole and how it's the, the, com the consumer side of stuff has just started to impact left and right and how we've gone, you know, take, for example, something like a, a Walmart. And, oh, that's great. And all of a sudden, now we want to go to Costco because now we can get it wholesale. And it's the same type of philosophy of now we're looking at AV direct from a company and, and bypassing the quote-unquote middleman. And people um, who, you know, say a department, like an educational department or something like that, just decides, you know, hey, I, uh, I just I don't want to have to deal with it. I just want to go out and find something that I think works for me and just oh, I'm just going to buy it. So you're right. Polycom made a move great for itself, but from a, a an integrator standpoint, went a little bit around the bush, so to speak. 
right, well, real quickly, uh, Peter, when it comes to that, though, I mean, as an education house, is that something where it's important to you to have that direct relationship? Or And in, 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 I'm assuming certain things here, right? Like, you know, where Josh says it's going to be a direct relationship to the end client. We're assuming that, that the, there is going to be cost savings and things like that because there's not going to be a middleman in, 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 in between. You don't know that for a fact, though. I mean, Polycom may very well say, you know what? We're still going to protect our, our, our partnerships with these integrators and, and whether it's an IT integrator or an AV integrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you do have that direct relationship, you know what? It's going to be the same price as if you buy it from, you know, XYZ integration. Is it, is it beneficial then to, to have a direct relationship with the manufacturer? I, I think to a certain extent, some people might find it beneficial. Um, but I think it depends on their, their knowledge base. Um, I had an instance a couple of, of weeks ago where I was working with a, uh, a school here and they, uh, the guy that was there in the office just happened to like, you know what, I want a, I want a video uh, conferencing system. So he just went out and Googled it and he's pulled up a bunch of things and now was, and he, you know, when I walk in the room, he's starting to throw out, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? So given the fact that there are people out there because of things like uh, Google Chrome and because of Skype and the fact that, you know, people are seeing Skype for business showing up on their computers. Now they may be feeling a little bit more comfortable just kind of going out and and trying to find things on their own. Um, Where I'm at is a very interesting position because we do act as kind of a middleman. um, But at the same time, we are, mostly support side of stuff. So we are the end users. So it's, it's different in that sort of sense, but I do see a lot of people that are going out and saying, well, why can't I just do this? Why can't I just do that? Um, you know, Apple TV is a great example of that. So I, I think on one hand, it could be very beneficial, but at the same time, I think it could also lead to doors being open that could cause people buying products that they think they need, but can't really verbalize what they specifically need when talking to the, the, uh, the maker uh, directly and not get the end product that they want. All right, Roger, from your standpoint, as it's you know, both manufacturer and also someone who's been in the industry for a while, is this something that, you know, take it from, from Polycom standpoint, but also, you know, maybe from Josh's point, point of view as well, um, you know, how significant is this shift by, by Polycom? This is kind of an interesting story and kind of an interesting response for Polycom to uh, what's going on in the marketplace right now. Uh, Crestron's under a lot of attack from a lot of different angles and a lot of different manufacturers out there doing things kind of like what Polycom is doing with this announcement. So uh, seeing Polycom do this, Josh, I know you're worried about programming and everything like that. You know, We, we, we are looking into the future uh, as far as how Crestron's going to put everything on the internet and bring everything together, use our new pinpoint, and try to make it more relevant for everybody going forward. Polycom's response seems to be in the now. You know, this is this is what people needed a year ago and for the last year. So hey, let's come out with this product right now. Polycom's got a big thing that they're trying to save, and they're trying to keep themselves being relevant as compared to Microsoft and Cisco out there. Uh, so they have to do something like this in order to try to make something happen or they're going to go the way of picture tell. And uh, I'm sure there's people from Polycom watching this right now uh, that are going to tune in and probably put me on a a board with the darts and all kinds of stuff like that as I say it. But they have to do something. 
because otherwise they're they're the guys that are making the the set top boxes that sit on top of the TVs or under the TVs and, and just do point-to-point uh, -point video conferencing and they have to get more into this digital world and interact more with Skype and everything else so this is their move to do that is this going to be the be-all end-all I don't think so my, my gut tells me and there's no pricing available in the article that this will be priced significantly higher than a lot of other things out there so I think Polycom is is definitely trying to do something to save themselves and it continues to show the industry and everybody else out there that this is kind of a direction that people are going. You know, like you had mentioned, Tim, RL2 is something that's out there. You've got Cisco going into this market as well. So this isn't the first time that somebody is doing this, and it won't be the last. Uh, it's just a matter of doing something different. But the Internet of Things is, is really what changes everything right now. And, and we have to continue to look at not just our immediate needs in these huddle spaces, and and this is not a huddle space room. Looking at that picture that you put up well, there not, for not that one, no. I mean, but the, but a couple of other things had you know two or three space, you know, two or three seat you know solutions. So that I, that's the one I I mean is a huddle space. Yeah, and and you know we're in this battle, and and uh, you know everybody that that does rooms that are in those huddle space areas, you know, it's hard to to get those price points up. So we're constantly trying to find ways for, you know, if it's not an RL2 room, to bring it into a room that the end user will put on the network so that they get all the benefits that that enjoys. Uh, I, I don't see a proprietary thing from a single manufacturer that doesn't do everything taking over the world. So don't worry, Josh. We're okay. Well, let me ask you I'm this. Not, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that we're not okay. I'm saying that this cuts out a lot of opportunity for smaller rooms for us because of the fact that they can go directly around us. This is an HDMI, a USB cable, and a network cable. Done. That's it. There's nothing to integrate, and it lives on their network. It's monitored on their network. It's controlled on their network. I'm not saying that it's that Crestron's in trouble. By God, I mean the 800-pound gorilla playing the victim. No, I'm not claiming that in any way. What I'm saying is this: as an industry, puts ourselves in a position that smaller rooms are going to have simpler and simpler solutions to suit them. When they just want a phone, now they can add a phone plus potential video integration, which expands that opportunity direct to customer. That's where I'm going. I'm not talking about the Centro. The Centro is something that's a really cool product, but I don't see it being a be-all, end-all for anything. I'm focusing solely on the Trio, just the Trio, as something that concerns me in terms of opportunity for AV integrators. That's where my line is drawn. Okay. Well, here's sense. the thing. The other thing is, is Josh mentioned the you know the 800 pound gorilla referring to Crestron. I I love Crestron. I have a lot of friends that work there, and I'm not being disparaging. They're not when it comes to when you compare them to Microsoft and you compare them to Samsung, you compare them to um, uh, Cisco, the the other players that are playing in this same space. Um, they're just, you know, they're they're not on the same level. You guys have got a lot of great products, and and yes, you're very successful when it comes to the AV and the automation space and, and transporting video. But if you want to get down to brass tacks and start talking about bottom lines and 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 available revenue, holy cow, you know, if Microsoft wanted to go after, a, you know, AMX or or Extron or, or Crestron or, or anybody else, they could. 
right, because they have the capital, because they have the resources. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to or anything else like that, but, you know, it, 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 it's, it's important sometimes when it comes to stuff like this. And, you know, I have no idea what, what Polycom's bottom line is, um, but it's important to, to realize and to understand and to remember where we are, you know, in the world of, of IT and, and the world of technology. Um, well, maybe this will be the driving factor for your prediction that Cisco will finally buy Crestron. I didn't say Crestron. I said they're going to buy a control company. Well, look, you know, we, we continue to partner at Crestron with all of these guys. We, we've got a great partnership with Microsoft. We've got a great partnership with Polycom. We have a good partnership with Cisco. So we're not looking for any of them to do poorly. We want everyone to succeed. We want all the dealers to succeed. That's where we all want to go. And Josh, we, geez, we want our programmers to succeed. Tim. Nah, you don't want me to succeed. Uh, Ray, what do you think about all this when it comes to, you know, how important is, is this? It's, it's not a shift. It's, it's kind of an evolution by Polycom. You know, what do you think of, of this new introduction? So it's an evolution just on not only, um, you know, with Polycom, but you'll see, you know, just like the next subject we're going to talk about, um, same type of thing where people are joining forces, the, you know, bring your own devices, you know, Internet of Things is growing every day, and it's definitely an evolution of um, of everything. You know, as far as the um, integrating with um, different systems, and so I'm not surprised by it. All right, let's uh, let's bring up that that next topic that that Ray mentioned: the fact that InFocus has acquired Jupiter Systems. If you're not familiar with Jupiter, Jupiter uh, is a video wall and enterprise collaboration uh, software maker. Uh, Roger, from your standpoint, and, and I'm not talking about the, the Crestron standpoint, just you as a, as a technologist and someone who's been in the industry for a while. Good move by, by InFocus. Does it make sense, or is it one of those where you kind of scratched your head when you saw it? Oh, I, I thought it was a great move by InFocus. Uh, InFocus in uh, needed something else. And I've, I've sold in focus in my past as a dealer for many, many years. And, and I, I've met a lot of the people over there. And uh, they've, they've been a U.S.-based company for a long time. And, and after the projector market started to fall apart, they, uh, they definitely uh, needed to make a change. And, and, and from a Jupiter perspective, I think that that market has become more competitive for them as well. So uh, I think it was a great merger. On the, on the two companies' parts, it it really uh, it, it shows that there's more of a movement towards a, a one-stop shop, uh, and and that that's kind of a, a move that we're seeing across the board, uh, across the industry, and both of these companies realizing that, uh, and so you have to imagine that in some way these products are going to be designed to work together going forward. Uh, rather than just being two independent products, which should, which should ultimately make both of them better. Uh, so, so I think it, I think it's a great move. Uh, Josh, when it comes to this, I mean, is this one of these things where I, I, when I think of InFocus and, and Roger, thank you for the reminder. I had forgotten that InFocus made made projectors, and they did many, many years ago, and and, and still do. But I'm looking at this more along the lines of their MondoPad um, line of products, and it, this is one of those things where. I can see Jupiter swinging in and kind of being integrated all in one into a MondoPad experience. Is this something where that makes sense, Mr. Shrago? Shrago? You're muted. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Um, 
being able to incorporate any kind of interactivity and develop the Mondo Pad even farther. I've been a fan of the Mondo Pad. I think that they did some great things with it. I think it's a good product. I, uh, you know, everybody went on and on about when the Microsoft Surface Hub was delayed, and my first, you know, reaction was kind of why we already have products that do very very similar things. It, I don't see the big deal in the delay, and I look at the Mondo Pad as being that. So if they're going to add more feature sets to that, if they're going to add more interactivity and add more collaboration capability to that, then it's just going to further ingrain a product that already has at least even a minimal foothold uh, for what it does in the AV space. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I see this being uh, uh, a further development and further exaggeration towards that. All right. Uh, Ray, from your standpoint, is this uh, an acquisition that makes sense for InFocus, or does it make sense for um, for, for Jupiter to say, yeah, let's let's join a, a bigger company and, and let's start getting into into hardware a little bit more more in, in depth? Well, it seems like you have two different companies that are the masters at what they do. You know, of course, there's many other hardware providers and software providers, but you have two solid companies, and with them joining forces at that point. Um, like someone had mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if then you get new products with both, you know, an in-focus with a Jupiter Systems, um, you know, brain built into it and having combined um, hardware and software solution all in one uh, just makes more sense. All right, Peter, from your standpoint, is, is sort of, a, you know, not sort of an end user as an end user, is that something that's that's intriguing to you? Uh, getting something like, you know, MondoPad already had sev se several pieces of software already built in, but getting this this multi-view, this multi-video uh, you know, wall stuff already built into it, is that enticing? Um, and would you expect a higher price? To, you know, would you pay a higher price? Or is it one of these things where you just kind of expect it to be as an add-on, almost like a, a firmware update? You know, I, I think um, for existing stuff, definitely would would prefer more of an add-on, kind of a firmware update type of thing. But if you look from an end-user perspective, as you look as a whole, the idea of getting something that has the brains of integrated into it is is definitely appealing more the one-stop shop type of thing. Um, you know, around here where I'm at, um, InFocus was definitely more known for the projectors way back in, in, in the day, so to speak. And by way back, I mean not that far way back, but you know what I mean. Um, so... I think it's an interesting merger to say the least. I think um, from an end user perspective, well, you know, we definitely have our choices that we go with um, to see different companies kind of bring their two uh, strengths together is definitely makes it a little bit more appealing um, as opposed to uh, an in focus saying we are designing something that Jupiter has done. Um, so to, I, I'm very curious to see how this plays out um, from a, from a standpoint of an end user, I think a few months from now will really tell the tale as to what this merger is really going to bring to the fold with regards to what we as end users can bring into into what we use on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be kind of curious to my, myself. I would expect, um, if I were still in, in, in higher ed, I would expect it to be kind of an add-on. And, you know, not that they didn't pay anything for it, but, you know, kind of integrate it, guys, and, and, and work it in, so... All right, our next story. Um, it was an interesting Twitter verse uh, when this came out, and this is kind of two in one. So we're going to talk about HDMI cables for a couple minutes. So if, if this is not something you want to listen to or, or HDMI cables in general bore you, you can skip ahead to the next story, which is going to be about 
um, uh, in, Infocom and, and, and AV Month. So, and by the way, happy AV, AV Month, everybody. So, to, the first story out of this, <clears throat> the HDMI Consortium. And if you're not familiar with what that is, this is the, these are the folks that actually um, license HDMI. Like the word HDMI, you have to buy a license from them. HDMI Licensing LLC announced the quote-unquote premium HDMI cable certification program. And for those of you watching on video, I'm going to show you the pretty gold little label you can get if you get said certification label. Ooh, it's shiny. Crazy, isn't it? Even comes with a QR code. I'm not quite sure what the heck that does, but whatever. It probably takes you straight to HDMI.org. Um... <laughs> Peter, we're going to start with you. And so the first thing I'm going to say about it is this: it feels very much like the guys at Monster Cable got a hold of HDMI. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's all I'm going to say. Peter, as as somebody who who probably buys a fair share of of HDMI cables, is this important, bud? <laughs> um, is it important? Uh, for, for a person that wants to deal with uh, cables that we know are going to be quality and last a fair amount of time, I say yes. Um, the, the catch being um, HDMI cables have become such a um, common thing for everybody outside of, uh, the end users outside of just us as technicians. So um, you have people that email be like, you know, hey, I'm going to buy this X cable from Amazon. Is it going to be good? Um, and so we're still going to see a lot of that, those kind of purchases on there. I think from a, a standpoint of if, if we start seeing a, a Crestron or um, an AMX or whoever get on board be like, hey, you know, we're going to start slapping our, our name with these labels as well, then I think we start paying attention a little bit more. Um, but there's so many HDMI brands out there, and, and, and HDMI has just become so synonymous with, oh, what I plug into my Blu-ray player, um, that it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I think from a technician standpoint and the knowledge base that we have, I think we're going to pay attention to it. Um, but like I said, I think given the fact that a lot of other people out there just buy HDMI cables from Amazon, it's going to take a little bit of time before people actually start paying attention to that because it seems like you get those kind of labels, not necessarily in technology, but all over the place nowadays. You know, A1 certified beef to be yep. as an example. Um, and some people fully believe and buy into that. Um, some people don't, uh, just like some people buy food at Whole Foods, and some people say, eh, Walmart is okay. So that I think that's going to be the telltale sign. I think as a technician end user, yes, I will definitely pay attention to it. Um, but the extent of it, I think, is going to be determined by the other end users who do not have the technical knowledge base behind that. Okay. Uh, Ray, from your standpoint, and, and I want to bring up, uh, uh, Peter mentioned Amazon. I'll also bring up a couple different ones. Um, so let's bring the, the kind of the big three. You've got Xtron, you have AMX, and you have Crestron. You can get HDMI cables from all three of those. You also have a company called Mondo Price, right? Um, Mondo Price, if you're not familiar with them, it's actually a cool little website. Um, they're not under writer, and they're not paying me to say that. I think it's a cool website because they've got some neat little uh, gadgets and gizmos. You can get HDMI cables labeled with your own company, right? 
So we could sell aviation HDMI cables, you know. Um, so I'm going to be curious as to whether or not the Mondo prices and the Crestrons and the AMXs and the, and the Extrons get this premium thing. Uh, Ray, from your standpoint, does this label matter to you when you're when you're starting to bid out a job and, and you know get your cable count ready? Um, like I mentioned, it all depends if if the big boys get on board with it and they start adapting it, you know, um, going into it, then it's going to hold some value, um, mainly because if if they're doing it and the big name brands are also picking up picking it up, you know how it is. It's if everyone's doing it, then um, you know, it becomes popular, and then if you're not, if you don't have, and if you don't use those certifications, it could potentially, you know, you lose a, a cable sale. So it just depends who adapts it, you know, who who's going to go through the process of getting the certification, in my opinion, uh, as to whether or not, you know, I'm going to do it or, you know, or some of our people that I know will do it. All right, Roger, I'm going to pick on you, and, and not that Roger has anything to do with HDMI. HDMI procurement at, at Crestron. He has nothing to do with it, so if you sell these things, don't call him, don't email him. <laughs> However, from a manufacturer's standpoint, is this important? I mean, it, it, I, I mentioned the, the fact that, that you can get HDMI cables from Crestron, you can get them from Extron, you can get them from other people. Not to be silly or, or, or pointed, but you guys don't make them. You owe them from somebody else, right? And you guys test them. Uh, um, you know, they test them. Everybody tests them in this, that, and the other. You have certain uh, standards in this, that, and the other. So is this one of those things that's going to be important for Crestron going forward to make sure that they have these this gold label certified thing? Well, look, uh, there, there's no question about it that the quality of the cable has a direct impact on the system performance. Uh, and over the past few years, uh, as HDMI has kind of evolved away from telling you whether you're 1.3 or 1.4 or 2.0 and just telling everyone to focus on what the capabilities are that the that their connectors will use. Uh, kind of that whole idea of what really happens over that cable has become more of a mystery to a lot of people where you used to be looking for 1.3 or 1.4 or 2.0. Uh, we've been kind of told, you know, talk about what you're, what you're doing over HDMI, not which format you're using. So it, it's amazing that the cable is one of the last things people believe will fail, but it's also one of the first things to fail in a system. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a huge deal. Uh, now, you know, then it becomes the, okay, we're just talking about cables and we're bringing back the $40 HDMI cable, essentially. Uh, but when I have a dealer that I talk to, uh, anywhere in the country as I as I travel around and meet people and they say to me oh I use one dollar HDMI cables and then I look at them and the first thought in my mind is so when you're troubleshooting your system do you have some known good cables so that in case the cables the problem you you go to that first before you blame our our thousand dollar box is the problem and and that's where a lot of the concern comes into play is people forget how important the cable is. This is not the analog world anymore, where if it didn't go across the cable well, you just amplified the wave and made the wave bigger, and, and by the time it got through the cable, it, it, it arrived okay. This is the digital world. You have it or you don't, and uh, it's a good thing. Uh, I just wonder if it's too late that they're doing this. Yeah, good point. 
the one thing I, I will ask Roger, and, and uh, real quickly, you, you mentioned you know kind of the the one dollar cable. The opposite is true, though, isn't it? I mean, I don't have to spend a thousand dollars on a six foot HDMI cable for it to be good. No. Okay. <laughs> you no, know, because they exist. I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not making this up. There is a company out there. I've been to several different manufacturers training. Well, they where they will bring up this this website. I'm not going to give them any 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 press or mentions here. But it's it's like like diamond and emerald and all this jazz. And I'm not kidding you. There is a thousand dollar six foot cable. HDMI. That's all it is. Right? It is virgin rubbed, right? Do what now? It's a virgin rubbed. Yes, virgin rubbed. Yes, virgin rubbed. Virgin rubbed. It, it, it passes, you know, power and, and all this. Yeah, it's stupid. All right. So you don't have to. I, I want to give people to get the impression that the more you spend on HDMI is going to give them better quality. Right? Yes, I get, I get your point on the $1 one. But I also want to make sure that that they understand that a thousand bucks for a six foot is just ridiculous. Oh well, you know, if it works, then hey, people can tell if everybody they got a thousand dollar cable and other people don't. So and remember the old days when, you know, you wanted to be able to tell people how great your cables were for your speakers. No. Yeah. <laughs> In my opinion, if it if it allows us to sell higher end cables, I think the certification is great. So if it becomes mainstream. I'm all for it um, because if I can sell, we get a lot of clients that say, I have my own cables. Now I have something I can go to them and say, well, is it certified? Yeah. And I think there, it's a plus, you know, as long as people adopt it. That's, you know what, Ray, that's a really, that's a really good point is, is you can, that, that kind of a differentiator, right, for, for you. Uh, Mr. Schrago, when it comes to this certification and also the other story is the fact that UL is, is starting to test HDMI cables. Um, is this a big deal when it comes to you know cabling in, in the in the AV world? It's a very very. Is it a big deal? No. Is it a very good thing? Yes. And the thing that I'm, I'm I haven't heard the focus of this conversation hit on is this is about high speed. This is all about 4K, which is a argument I have had at endless debates with people is the fact that HDMI cables cannot at 1.4 can't do 4k they're not physically capable of it and in order to pass certification for these cables you have to be able to hit 18 gigabits that means you have to be able to meet HDMI 2.0 spec that means you help me prove Mark Coxon wrong that HDMI at 2.0 can actually pass 4k content on a single pipeline now is it full 4k 444 no of course not but we're not going to get into chroma and sampling and all that wonderful fun stuff at this point you just get to help me prove mark wrong and that's the part that matters to me is that i get to be right over mark coxon from a debate that started almost a year ago at this point so yes it's very very good because it it also gives us a differentiation for consumers which is now we can actually brand a cable 4K certified. And that's that's the thing that comes in here is this is a UHD, this is a 4K certified cable that's capable of doing these things, whereas this other HDMI 2.0 cable that says it isn't 4K certified. So it's allowing HDMI and it's allowing display manufacturers and content providers 
and or, or content source providers to say we have the certification cable provided in our box that will allow you to do the 4k thing that up until this moment we couldn't guarantee that you would be capable of doing because and and because we didn't have a certification and the fact that ul is stepping in to do this shows that somebody at ul has been paying attention to folks that have been saying hey you understand the weak link in all of this is transport right so now they're stepping in to get themselves involved and make sure that consumers aren't getting screwed by people that are saying, oh, we can do that. No, you can't. In fact, I can prove you can't. I can take my testers out and I can show how you're not physically capable of doing that. So with HDMI stepping up to do this, with UL stepping in to also help with it, I see the benefit to consumers. So on the consumer side of this, I see wonderful things. Yes, of course they're going to charge more for a certified cable. So, hey, that sucks, but do you want something that works or do you want something that may work? You pay for what you're going to pay for it. It's just that's how life is. So. Benefits, yes. I get to be right over Mark Coxon, which is the best part all about, about all of this. And in the end, somebody gets a product that actually works. So I'm seeing good things here all across the board. And the fact that HDMI finally wants to take responsibility for making sure this is yes. getting done is something they should be commended for. Now, it's not mandatory. It is participation voluntary. So we still have people that are going to do whatever we want, and we're still going to get knockoffs. And, of course, you're going to find people that market in a way that makes it look very similar. But at least people are recognizing that this needed to be done, and it, people needed to step up in order to do it. Yeah. The only sad part here that, that I see is that we're limiting this to just the HDMI cables. You know, Crestron's one of the first people to go out there and tell you, well, this is how far you can go with Cat 5E. This is how far you can go with our DM cable. And this is how far we want you to go with DM Ultra cable and when to use each cable. So, you know, if you're just looking at a rack of equipment and moving your, your content from your Blu-ray, which, you know, or your GoPro to your system, uh, then, you know, a six-foot cable is fine. But all of us that are on this call are doing a little bit more than just that six-foot HDMI cable. So we've got to look beyond just that right now. So are you suggesting that, that, that you know, the HDMI LLC folks take a look at other transports that's, that's transporting HD signals? Is that what I'm getting, Roger? Or you want somebody else to take, like UL to take, you know, uh, Cat 5E and, and Cat 6 and Cat 7? Well, you have to remember that those are multifunction cables. Yeah. So, so in a way, you know, they're, they're made to, to move a certain amount of gigabits over those cables, and they have their own ratings. So someone's looking at them already. That's why they're certified as CAT, CAT 5E, CAT 6A, CAT 7A, and all that. So they are certified, and someone is looking at them. The difference being there's no one looking at them besides what I can tell Crestron saying, hey, CAT 5E is good up to 50 meters. CAT, CAT 6A is good for up to maybe about 70 meters, and, and CAT 7A will go that 100-meter distance. That's part when we look at video over this category cable, I don't know of anyone else doing that besides Crestron. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting to have the have the UL uh, because I don't think. I mean, let's take it back to, to both to both articles here. HDMI doesn't care, right? <laughs> I mean, not not right. not to be too pointed about it, but they don't care about category cable. They want you to buy the HDMI cables with the with the the funky little connector that doesn't lock or or, or whatever. Um, but UL would be probably the the best one for that. Uh, either that, or the the transport manufacturers that the people that are that are creating these standards that you guys are using, whether that's HD base D or right. 
or, or, or AVB or, or whoever, TSM, sorry, uh, or, or what have you, um, that would be one of those organizations that you could say, you know, here's you know, an HDMI certified cable. It'll go X amount of length for, for this resolution. You know, that would make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the HD-based T people should jump in a little bit more before the UL people or, or anyone else uh, because it's, it is a standardized cable, and as long as it's a good quality standardized cable, it should meet the specification performance and, and be consistent. All right, real quickly, and 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 just 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 so it's been said, you know, I'm I'm not beyond uh, beyond error. I I said Mondo Price is the name of the website. Mono Price is the name of the website. I think I had Mondo Pad on the brain. So Mono Price is where you can get um, cables, uh, HDMI cables listed with your own uh, you with your own company. So I may have to send uh, send Tucker along the lines of of seeing if we can't make some Aviation certified. You meant Aviation, huh? We all knew what you meant. Well, you know, some people didn't. <laughs> Somebody's probably look, looking up Mondo Price right now, and with my luck, it's probably some weird site, you know. No, uh, they were looking up the Mondo board before the Mondo Price. Oh, uh, there we go. All right, uh, so this is AV Month. Um, a couple years ago, uh, well, more than a couple years ago, like 10 years ago, um, Infocom started AV Week. Uh, the actual celebration of, of all things AV, and I guess about two years ago, they expanded it into an entire month-long celebration. So uh, if you guys have something that you're doing at your at your organizations, whether it's Crestron or the college or, or, or Ray, uh, let me know. I'm going to have uh, Mr. Strago tell you what, what he's doing for, for AV month, uh, something that he started last year at, at about the, the 2nd or 3rd of October, I think. Yes, my, my brilliant idea to do 31 broadcasts, be it a blog or a, a, a podcast in 31 days that I started on October 2nd last year. And we AV Nation is doing it again, and, and we're, we're riding right, right along right now. Um, and basically it just comes down to we, we saw this as an opportunity last year to allow a lot of stories to be told. And while we have blogs and we have content that come up pretty regularly, uh, Tim has the Monday morning meeting, Mike Brandis contributes the Friday Five, we wanted to see if we could expand that a little bit more and maybe find people whose voices aren't necessarily heard, people who don't write a lot. Maybe they write one or two posts a year. This gave us an opportunity to maybe bring them together and, and get some guest posts in there to help other stories be told and just utilizing Aviation as a platform. So. We've been doing that again this year, and we've seen some great contributions. Uh, a lot of our regulars have been contributing, and we've got a few other ones that we're going to be that I'm working my way through. So, uh, in terms of my activities for AV Month, I'm not sleeping. Um, I'm editing as soon as I get home, and yeah. writing as soon as I get home, and and, and working on the next. Uh, I mean, as Tim and I were joking earlier this week, I think I wrote 3,000 words in the span of a day, just piece after piece after piece, trying to get them out. Um, so there's more coming down the pipeline from me, and there's others, uh, other people that will be contributing. Uh, and then I happened coincidentally to to give an interview last week to my old high school talking about careers in AV. It's not going to come out for a little while, but they found out about some of the stuff that I've been up to uh, through my mother, and basically said we want to know, we want to tell we want you to tell the story as as contributions and. I thought that was kind of cool that, you know, this is an opportunity to, to, to tell the AV story that, 
you know, we're sort of a niche industry. We're often forgotten as an option for careers and, you know, making sure that people are aware that there's things going on here. If they love music, if they love video and, and they want to be involved in the technology, there's a lot of opportunity there for them in this industry that they can have successful careers, long lasting careers. Uh, people we ran into this week are 30 and 40 year veterans of this industry. And extraordinarily successful and have bright futures, wonderful retirement plans, all sorts of things that this industry can provide them if they have the interest in it. And so I'm very, uh, I'm really looking forward to that piece coming out when it does, it's not going to be for a little while. Um, then their next magazine runs in a few months. Uh, so that'll be coming out. But our biggest activity is, you know, aviation has always been about explaining the why, explaining the relevance of the information that we get to people and letting the conversation develop from there. We want to share people's stories. We want you to share your stories with us so that we can, you know, let people know that you've, you have a unique experience or you have a unique opinion about something. That's, that's what we've always been about here. And so if there's somebody out there that's listening to this or reading this and you want to share your story, it isn't just about AV month. And Infocom has even taken a step back this year in making that. They're not focusing on their AV month activities as much. They want to start pushing that year-round involvement from people. And we here at AV Nation are big on that. So if there's something that you guys want to tell or a story that you want to share with people, let me know. Let Tim know. You can get a hold of us both very easily. Um, myself is josh at avnation.tv. I'm happy to take stories on any time and you know, work with you and develop it and see where we can see what see how we can get your story told as well. Yeah. Josh is a very good editor. He even edits my piece because I misspell things from time to time. It like, and if are two different words, Tim. <laughs> you know what? Uh, speaking of, of, of Infocom, they have actually have an AV Month toolkit on their website. We'll put a link to to their AV Month uh, suggestions uh, on, on this uh, this episode's page. So, uh, Roger or, or Peter or, or Ray, are you guys doing anything for AV Month? Uh, I'll, I'll jump in here real quick. Um, you know, uh, where I'm at right now is, is well, we are a, an audiovisual classroom support department. We are still part of the larger IT uh, department here at this university. So a couple weeks ago, we did a, a technology awareness day. Um, and while it wasn't directly connected to AV Month, I thought it was uh, very prudent because I think a lot of what uh, AV Month can bring is just the exposure of what we bring to the table. Um, whether we like it or not, technology professionals have a stigma that people assume uh, we are you know, nerds and hang out in dark closets and don't come out very much and that kind of stuff. I'm not saying everybody is that way, but you know. Um, so I think it was great that we had the opportunity to get out and to, to show people, hey, this is what we do, this is what we bring to the table. Because um, I think a lot of what AV does is uh, help people accomplish their visions, whether it's uh, creating a little huddle room that can help get meetings done to uh, large lecture halls that um, can be used for things like TED Talks. I think exposure to those type of things is definitely very beneficial. So um, the more exposure we can give to people to what we can do, um, you know, and, and not just, you know, what we have to offer as far as technical expertise, but also just like what we bring to the table with regards to um, our personalities and, and how we think differently than what most people think with regards to technology. So that's just a little bit of what we've done here. Um, for, you know, for me, I think AV Month is great. I think every single day is an opportunity to uh, 
show people what we can do. So while AB Month is a great way to highlight it, it is a year-round thing. And, and constantly talking to people and saying, you know, hey, you did this this way. Well, we might have a better option for you that might work a lot better. So that's kind of what we've done a little bit from an end user perspective. It makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, one of the other ways uh, that they suggest, and, and I've done this in the past, where you you uh, get a piece written um, or like 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 Josh interviewed uh, by your local paper, your local thing, uh, your local um, you know. Better Business Bureau, Rotary Club, stuff like that, where you can educate folks exactly what we do. So, All right, uh, as we wrap up here, this is a silly story. There's no comment needed unless you'd just really like to comment about the AV selfie. Um, <clears throat> but our buddies over at AV Magazine held, hold their yearly awards ceremony. And I, I just, just a side note, I think it would be really cool just to go to an award ceremony for AV. That just would be flat out cool. Plus, it's in London, so, <laughs> so that would also be cool. Uh, but AV Magazine is a, it's a UK-based uh, magazine. Great group of folks. I, I met Clive and 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 the whole gang of them at uh, at Infocom this year in, in Orlando. Uh, they had the world record AV selfie. I'm not sure if it was a record, but they're claiming it, and I'll I'll take their word for it. Almost 950 people in one single AV selfie. So, uh, so congratulations to Clive and everybody over at AV Magazine for having the, the world record uh, AV selfie. Um, they realize they're going to force Neto to break fire code in Vegas at Infocom <laughs> next year just to beat this. Yes, he's going to. Uh, Chris Neto, one of our guys at uh, at AV at AV Nation, is uh, um, very much in the in the um, AV selfie camp. Loves it a lot. Uh, we do a a song typically in the last two years at, at Infocom. Uh, and, and AV selfie is something that happens all year round, right? It's, it's not necessarily around a particular event. It does ramp up during specific events, during CEDIA, during ISC, during the AV Awards uh, ceremony for AV Magazine. So, yeah, we're going to have to – maybe we'll, we'll partner with them and, and get a bigger one. Maybe that's what we'll have to do. So, But anyhow, congratulations to the guys at AV Magazine. So uh, that is all the time we have. Mr. Peter Mitchell from University of Cal Colorado. Easy for me to say, Denver. Thank you, sir. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here, and uh, ski season is approaching, so get those skis and snowboards out. All right, and any any other final comments you'd like to make? Uh, hashtag Let's Go. Hashtag Cubs Rule. There you go. See, I'm I'm an I I am not an angry Cardinal fan. I'm an angry Bears fan, but that's a whole other story. <clears throat> they finally won a game. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, <laughs> Ray Estrada from Tech Max Technologies. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's good to be here. I did have um, a quick um, note. Uh, what we're doing uh, as far as for AV is, uh, together with CEDIA, um, we've developed a course called um, Más allá de lo precableado, inscripción de los conceptos básicos de flujo de señal. Pretty much that means the basics of signal flow for a cable. And that's pretty much what, with CEDIA's help, of course, you know, they did the whole course and we've just helped. Um, how to get someone from possibly a, a pre-wire standpoint and how to understand from a pre-wire to actual racking and automation. So that's the little part that we're trying to do to get people past a certain point um, to the next level and get more people um, knowledge in the automation world. And is that a class that people can take at Cedia or is that on, on their online one? This will actually be the first year, um, but yes, that, that class is actually uh, Saturday, 
Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. And that would be on the that would be on the 17th of October. Very good, which is next week, uh, if, if those of you don't know. And, and we'll, I'll tell you what we're doing next week with Cedia. Uh, Roger Takis, my buddy, my pal from uh, Southern California, and Crustron. Thank you, sir. Oh, thanks for having me again, Tim. I apologize for all the uh, network dropouts. I'm not sure what was going on over here. I think I dropped off about four times today. Just just blame, you know, your local service provider. I don't even know who that is made, in Southern California. Made me, made me feel a little flustered as I was trying to keep up with the conversations, and oh, you're then all of a sudden I'd come back and you'd ask me a question. <laughs> well, you know, keep you on your toes. Oh, thanks. Uh, how can people find you, sir? You can reach me through Twitter, if you'd like, at CrestronRoger, uh, or through Crestron's website. Crestron.com, that one I know. Yeah. Uh, also, last but not least, Josh Shrigo from SoundReason.org, and uh, our editor-in-chief here at AB Nation. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you, Tim. It's always nice to be on. And for those of you that want to be able to contribute more to AV Month, let's not forget we do have the hashtag game running on Twitter with AV hashtags. This week it is hashtag five, the digit, words to improve AV. Apparently, Chris Netto has recently posted one way for you to do that is to send me a blog. Wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. So... Uh, thanks, but again, this was always in good fun, and it's always good to be on the show. But... Uh, if you're if you're interested, Josh is uh, he posted this on Sound Reason, and I tell you what, it, Josh and I have a lot of similar um, interests when it comes to music and theater and stuff like that. And he wrote a piece inspired by the musical Hamilton, um, the fabulous piece, really great music that he turned me on to this week. So. Uh, if you get a chance to check out the website, uh, soundreason.org. So, um, Thank you. Ray mentioned the CDA. Here's what we're doing next week, kids. Uh, we will be at CDA, so we will not do this live at 2 o'clock Eastern or um, on next Friday. So, we, But we'll be on the show floor. Ray, if you're, if you're out there, come by the beer garden at 2 o'clock. Um, that's apparently the, where we're going to be. Um, so come by there. We'll have uh, Matt Scott. We'll have... Uh, Todd Puma will be with us, uh, Heather Sidorowitz, um, uh, Victoria Ferrari, uh, and, uh, and my brother, um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Fergoza will be with us as well. So, uh, uh, yeah, so check that out if you would. Uh, if you're at CD next week, come by and say hi. You know, we've got, we've got that, plus we have the AV tweets, uh, the AV tweets tweet up uh, from 4 to 6 o'clock. Uh, also at the Beer Garden. Uh, it's just a great networking, networking event uh, made possible by all of our wonderful underwriters. So check that out if you would, please. Check out the blogs for, for AV Month uh, and also all of our other shows at avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week.